0: Thank you. Wow, what a powerful service we've had so far, huh? Wow. I think Joanne, Anthony, and Leslie just preached the message I'm about to preach. (laughs) It's beautiful, man, the way God puts things together. I'm just sitting over there. My mind is blown right now. Because we didn't coordinate this, but I'm here to tell a story. (laughs) It's all about stories today, right? So uh, I'm going to tell some stories about my journey with God. We don't have a ton of time, so I'm just going to tell a few of them. But before we start, I want to start with something a little amusing. I like church signs. You know, the signs that are in front of churches? And uh, I found a couple clever ones here that I want to share with you. It might be a little hard to read for you folks at home, but if you thought that you were the only one who never read your terms and conditions of your Apple devices, turns out Adam and Eve never read the terms and conditions of the apple situation in their lives i like this next one whoever stole our air conditioning units go ahead and keep one because it's really hot where you're going <laughs> that's pretty funny it's not really good theology but i liked it you know i always wonder like there's a couple of churches i drive by here in the valley and they consistently have really good material and i think who is the person or persons that come up with that do they ever run out of material Next slide. Apparently, the answer is yes. Blah, blah, blah. Just come to church. Uh, That one one cracked me up. And then the last one is this one. Not much of a sales pitch, but hey, why not? Having trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. So my goal today, that's good on the slides for a while. Thank you, Grace. (laughs) My goal today is to keep more than half of you awake. So it's a pretty low bar, <laughs> but by way, by way of introduction, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike. Here's really all you need to know about me. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a family man. These things are very important to me. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a brother, son. These things are really important to me. I'm also a friend to many, and I'm going serve as a leader here at this church, and I am here today just to share a couple of stories about how I got to know God how I decided to follow him and how he's changed me, shaped me. Some stories like you just heard from Joanne, how God intervened in a big way in her life a year ago. So thankful that he did that. So thankful that he did that. But please, as I share my story today, I I don't want to come across and I don't want you to receive me as someone who has it all together because I don't. I'm just going to share some stories about the way God has intervened in my life. Some of the encounters I've had with God but no know this, I still have struggles, and uh, I do know this, though. I'm in a better place now than I was five years ago, and back then, I was in a better place than I was five years before that, and back then, you know, going on that, and that's kind of our journeys with God. Leslie just talked about a scripture uh, that talks about that. Can we get that next slide, please? This is the scripture. It talks about how God is transforming us into a Christ-like image from glory to glory. And that has been really a hallmark of my story. It's kind of taken us from the mountaintop story, uh, mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience. So, uh, the other scripture that's really been speaking to my heart lately is the uh, next slide, please. Is this one that Jesus tells his story about? He's telling, he's telling the people that God is like this person. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after? the lost sheep until he finds it. And that has certainly been my experience. I feel like God is so patiently waiting for us to to perhaps repent from our sins, to go in a different direction. He certainly was for me. And he is really aggressively pursuing us all the time. And I think Leslie just hit on that really beautifully. Uh, the, The scripture goes on to say that when he finds that sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home calls his friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I found the lost sheep. The scripture goes on to say that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one person, one lost person that repents than over the 99 that don't need to repent. Now, does that mean he doesn't care about the 99? No, of course. He loves the 99. But he has a special passion for those of us who have lost our way. And that was really important for me, really important for me. My parents exposed me to uh, spiritual things as a child. We went to a denominational church. And uh, I, from that experience, I learned three things. There is a God, he loves me, and I did not want to disappoint him. <laughs> that was really about it for me at that point in time. Um, I think like every other person on the planet, every child, every adult, as a young person, I was looking for acceptance and significance. Aren't we all looking for that in some way, shape, or form? We all want to be loved and accepted unconditionally. And we want to be esteemed, significant. We want to be part of something that's significant. And I tell you, I found acceptance and significance in a big, abundant way in my home. My mother and father and my sibling were wonderful people. They are wonderful people. And they always made me feel unconditionally loved accepted and significant. Outside the home, it was a little more difficult for me to find that acceptance and significance, particularly in the first neighborhood I lived in as a young child. I suffered a fair amount of rejection from the other kids in the neighborhood. And I think it had an impact on me that I didn't realize until the last 10 years or so how big an impact it had on me. Because I found myself really at that point in my life, I'm just a young child, elementary school age, I'm really desperate for this acceptance and this significance outside the home, and I learned through trial and error, essentially, that if I leveraged two strengths that I had, that I could get that acceptance and that significance, and those two strengths were academic and athletic performance. I was really good at school. I loved the challenge of learning. I loved taking tests, and I was pretty successful at it, and I got a lot of recognition and appreciation, not just my teachers, but from my peers as well. And uh, I also um, discovered that I was pretty good at sports, in particular basketball. Who's shocked to hear that? If you're in the room, you can see that I'm an extremely tall person. So I was uniquely suited for that sport. On top of that, my father was a a beautiful man who taught me everything he could about basketball. And he knew a lot because he was a former college basketball player. He was quite uh, quite the athlete. But what I discovered is that as well as this was working for me, and it was working for me, I was getting significance. I was getting acceptance based in my mind, I believe, on how well I performed. I unwittingly, unintentionally had bought into a lie that to be accepted and significant, outside my home anyway, that I needed to perform. This is what we sometimes call a performance orientation approach to life. And I got to tell you, it's, it works pretty well, but it is exhausting. Because as soon as you achieve something, you need to achieve something else, right? It worked pretty well all the way through high school. I graduated as a valedictorian of my high school, one of 17, believe it or not. We had a huge high school. I think we had 2,000 people in my graduating class. I was part of the basketball team there, and so that was, you know a way to get some notoriety and all that. And I thought for fun, I would show you my high school graduation picture. Here it is. Boom. Now, if you're wondering if that was a perm, it was not. That's just the way I looked. I was the same height I am now, and I was about 30 pounds, maybe 40 pounds less than I am now. With that hair, I looked like a dandelion that had gone to seed. You know, the kind of you you blow and. But uh, anyway, okay, that's good for the slides for a minute. (laughs) Please get rid of that slide. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Well, I was good at school, right? So I figured I might as well go to college. That makes sense. And in college, I continued my performance orientation approach to life, but it just wasn't working quite as well. And in an effort to become accepted and get significance, I decided to make a, a, I made a decision to join a fraternity, uh, which uh, turned out to be a lot of fun, but not a great decision in the long run, obviously. Um, for me, it wasn't anyway. It's a, it's a good decision for others. And here's why. Uh, what, I, what I discovered was the guys in the frat What they valued was partying, and because I was performance-oriented, I was determined that I was going to get really good at it, so I could get significance and acceptance from them. And so uh, now I've got this performance-orientation approach to life. It's really not working. I layer some partying on top of it, which was getting a little out of control. When I talk about partying, what I'm talking about is we drank alcohol, and we smoked pot. A lot of it. And... um, didn't didn't really work for me that well but I finished college and uh, got a job and uh, here locally in the valley I went to college at the U and I was just found myself sort of in this rut of performance orientation every once in a while not all the time I would sort of reward myself or deal with stress with some partying you know and it just I just continued on with this for like all, all through my 20s, all the way till I was like 30 years old. Well, in the middle of all that, in my, uh, a couple years into my new job, I meet a wonderful person who was a single mother. And we fell in love and got married. And she is sitting right over there. Her name's Diane, and she's awesome. And this was a person that God brought into my life. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Uh, I loved her. I love these little boys. So we got married. And so here I am, I'm a new husband, I'm an instant dad, and you would think that would be enough to get me to change, but I just continued living my life the way I had previously, performance oriented with some partying, you know? a Couple of rough days at work, a couple of challenging days with the kids, maybe I'd wait for him to go to bed, chug a couple of beers, smoke a little weed. Wasn't really working that great. I knew it needed to change, but I just couldn't break out of these well-established patterns. As a result, I was becoming more and more unsettled, more dissatisfied, more discontent. Praise God that Diane was a person who went to church. I'm not sure she had made a decision for the Lord at that point in time, but she knew those little boys needed some exposure to God. And truth be told, I was probably her third little boy that needed some exposure to God as well. (laughs) So I dabbled at the church, helped out a little bit. I was really interested in checking out these people. You know, are they for real? Or are they posers like I was, putting on my happy Jesus face on Sunday, acting like everything was super cool, but then struggling the rest of the week. I met a fellow there who was a kind of a prominent guy. We were sort of the same age, sort of the same boat. His name was Kent. We just were working on a project together. We were actually painting the exterior of the church. We got to know each other, we got to talking. And I discovered that he was real. He had the same struggles I had. Uh, maybe not the maybe not the partying part, but he definitely, you know, was get, got frustrated with work situations, and you know, he was a young father like I was, and there was those kind of things. And so he was really a lot like me, with one major exception. He was not dissatisfied. He was not discontent. He had peace. Not only that, he had answers for his struggles. And he shared some of those answers with me. And it was clear that he was anchored to something, anchored to something that kept hope and optimism alive in him. And I wanted the peace he had, but I wasn't sure the way he got it, following Jesus, was going to work for me. So I'm the skeptical, reluctant person. I just kind of went on with my life a little bit after that. Well, as the discontent grew, I decided instead of following Jesus, maybe I just needed a new career. That will solve all my problems, I'm sure. So I began to pursue a career in medical sales, which was a, the career my dad had. And my dad was, uh, was very happy with that job. I loved the fact that he had flexibility in his schedule and never missed a basketball or any other type of game that my brother or I were participating in. That sounded like a good idea. So I began to pursue that career, got interviews, actually got a really good job offer. I was so excited about it and uh, was just about to go tell my current employer that I was uh, ready to bail out, but I got a phone call the night before from the hiring manager of the new job. He said, hey, Mike, we just started this new thing. It's just a technicality. Uh, You're going to need to do a drug test and i was like whoa i'm not going to be able to pass it man there was stuff in me that wasn't going to work so i made up some stupid lie to the guy you know about why i decided to change my mind at the last minute you know but this was a real low point for me because i realized that not only not only was my performance orientation not working this partying thing had gotten out of control so much to the point where it cost me something i really wanted i really wanted that job so i did something that i'd never done before because Kent told me it might be a good idea to do it. I prayed. Yeah, I'd prayed the Lord's prayer and stuff like that in church, you know, like in liturgical churches where you kind of recite stuff. But this is the first time that I just pray I just talked to the Lord one-on-one. I'm like, "Lord, I'm mean, I was desperate. I'm like, I need your help." I fu- I, I went to my knees cuz cuz I, I heard that, that that was more effective if you did that. I prayed. I prayed earnestly, "Lord, help me." And I just prayed and I prayed. And I got up off my knees. And I felt absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I was a little disappointed, didn't think, didn't think anything had happened. I didn't think anything had happened. But I noticed like a couple days later, had a couple particularly stressful days. And my normal pattern would have been to wait for the kids to go to bed maybe do a little partying, but that night I didn't. And I didn't think anything of it. Then about a week later, same story. A couple of stressful days. My normal pattern would be to go, you know, wait till the kids go to bed and do a little partying. And I realized, I didn't do it that night either. I realized that the desire to do it was completely gone like that. This was a pattern I'd been living for the better part of a decade, and it was just gone. And I realized at that point that something had, in fact, happened. What had happened was I had a power encounter with God. This was my first major encounter with God. And it was shortly after that that I decided I was going to follow him. Check out the ending of that job story. Not only did I stop doing all that destructive stuff, within a couple of months, he gave me a brand new job, which I ended up working for 27 years and just retired from that outfit about five years ago. It was a huge blessing in my life. So praise God. He, pro- he provided what I needed. Can you put up the next slide please? It's the one about encounters. This is something that Sarah and I learned from Sharon just recently. There's a number of different ways you can encounter God. Here's three of them. A power encounter is when you, a change happens to you that cannot be explained by any scientific or natural means. It had to be supernatural. And that's what happened to me. Because trust me, I had tried to break those patterns on my own numerous times before it actually happened. A love encounter is when you experience the love of God so deeply that it changes you dramatically. And a truth encounter is when lies that you have bought into, that you are running your life on, are displaced with the truth of God. So let me tell you a little bit about a love encounter that I had. A couple years after I decided to start following Jesus, Diane and I are in this uh, denominational church, and we're doing Bible study with some people, which was kind of a new thing for us. People study the Bible. How about that? And a couple, uh, one of the guys there said, hey, Mike, my wife and I just went on this awesome three-day weekend experience called the Walk to Emmaus. So you just talked about the me. This is a retreat put on a lot, mostly by denominational churches, which is a short course in Christianity. It's designed to get people fired up about God so they'll go back to their churches and get more involved. It's a leadership development kind of thing. But the thing that struck me about it was the people that put it on went to great lengths to shower you with the love of God. They served us amazing meals. They served us like we were royalty. They had all kinds of clever surprises for us, including a surprise love bomb of cards and letters from people that you know were just totally encouraging stuff like that. We really, both of us, we did it separately because they do men and women separately. We both had a transformational experience because of the love of God. And we got really involved with that movement, and uh, we shared that, that experience with a lot of other people, and we saw a lot of other people, you know, assuming leadership roles. We were basically taking ground for the kingdom of God. We didn't realize that's what it was at the time, but that's what we were doing. We had no teaching, no equipping about this fact, when you begin to take ground for the kingdom of God, you will experience some opposition in all likelihood. And we began to experience that opposition and had no clue why, and we had no clue how to deal with it. We, beha- we began to have all kinds of issues. And one of the primary issues we had was we started having some issues in the area of parenting, raising our children. Specifically, we had some really uh, tough teenage rebellion kind of issues going on. A little bit, and for me, it became a consuming life dominating issue. I thought about this problem from the moment I woke up to the time I went to bed and it was it was ruining the way I was living the rest of my life. I was being a lousy fa- uh, husband, a lousy father it 's been a terrible employee I mean my job performance was awful I wasn't making any sales I was barely I was so depressed I wasn't making any calls and so I'm like Just desperate. So I pray to God again. I'm like, God, I need help. I need, give me a key. How do I parent these children in a way that makes sense? Because what we're doing is listen, we we were getting professional help from family therapists. We were getting all kinds of advice, some of which totally contradicted the other person's advice, but we implemented it all with limited to no success. (laughs) So I pray to God. I'm like, God, you know, hey, look, I'm desperate, I need your help. And this is what God said to me. I kid you not. He says, well, maybe you should try tithing. I'm like, what? What does that have to do with raising children? So I went home to Diana. I said, this is what happened. I was kind of complaining to her. I'm like, either I heard God wrong or, you know, he got it wrong, which, you know, that's not right. So, I was hoping she'd take my side and say, Hey, look, you know, yeah, this is wrong. We're not doing that. But she's like, Well, if God told you to do it, I guess we're going to start tithing. We weren't tithing at the time. We, we didn't really know that much about it. Uh, we'd heard about it. Uh, I always have had a pretty tight handle on my finances. I've always known, you know, for whether we could afford to do this, that, or the other. So that night, I sat down in my office and started doing some, you know, calculations. And I'm like, Wow. If we do this we're going to be $323 short of just meeting our basic bills. 323, 323. That was a big number, it's a big number now, it was a big number even bigger number then. But we did it. And uh you know how the Bible talks about being a cheerful giver? I was the opposite of that. Okay? I was a begrudging kind of irritated giver. And, but I wrote the check you know, and gave, and because uh, the reason I was irritated is I'm like, well, now, uh, thank you, God. Not only do I have the same parenting problems I had, but now I got a financial mess, too. Thank you very much, Jesus. <laughs> I had a bad attitude about that, and sure enough, the next week, I get a call from my boss. Mike, we need to talk. and I'm like, oh, boy, here it goes. They're going to give me the talk. Maybe they're going to fire me. I don't know. It's going to be a performance improvement thing. Sorry, I don't want to get outside the camera. <laughs> so I go meet the guy. And he's like, and I was prepared. I was like, I had a whole laundry list of excuses and a whole bunch of stuff I was going to do to improve. He sits down. and He says this to me. He goes, uh, Mike, I've been talking to my boss about you. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Now the big boss even knows what a screw up I am. And then these words came out of his mouth, I can't believe it. He said, I told him what a great job you've been doing and we've decided to give you a raise and a promotion. And I'm like, in my head I'm like, me? But instead what came out of my mouth was a bunch of prideful arrogance and stuff. Oh yeah, man, I've been really grinding hard, making extra calls, I've been really getting after it. Total lie. Didn't stop God from blessing me, though. At, the point, at that time, I was like, okay, well, this is good. At least I know I'm not getting fired. I really had to even connect the dots between the tithing and anything. But then, like, a, a couple of weeks later, I got my first paycheck uh, with the new raise. And I took the new paycheck, and I took the old paycheck, and I did a little math. And our take-home pay was $323 more. I'm not kidding, $323 to the dollar. Isn't that beautiful? You can clap, that, that's definitely, that's, that was a highlight of my life right there, man. It wasn't about the money. It turns out that you might think that that was a lesson about tithing, and it was. I'm a big believer in tithing now, I've never not tithed since, trust me. But the real lesson that God revealed to me was that I needed, I could trust him. That was the real lesson, that was the lesson that I needed. And you know why I needed that lesson? Because he couldn't give me any solutions for my parenting problems until he knew that I would trust him with what he gave me. Isn't that beautiful, the way he did that? I just am so blown away by that story. I know I've told that story a million times in here. I don't care. I'm going to keep telling it. So he began to, he began to uh, reveal to me, like, trust scriptures. You know, Here's another, if you can hit another uh, slide. I think it's slide nine, Grace. I mean, he started. He started like dropping like truth encounters on me. All kinds of stuff. Here's a here's a classic scripture about trusting. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your understanding. Man, I've been I've been leaning on my understanding for 30 years prior to this. In all your ways acknowledge him. By tithing, I think I was my way of acknowledging him. He will direct your path. And sure enough, he did. Right after that, he began to. Uh, in, revealed to Diana myself some truths from his word about raising children. And we began to buy into those truths. I think we bought into a little bit of a lie back then, which was, when you're raising your children, you do not do anything that could possibly harm their precious little self-esteem. And that is actually pretty good advice, but it can get out of control. And it certainly had in our house. I mean, the truth of the matter is, if the parents aren't running the house and the kids are, there is something wrong. And that's the situation. We're, I mean, when the inmates are running the asylum, that's called chaos, all right? And that's kind of what we had. <laughs> so we, we began to anchor. We agreed, as a couple, to anchor to these truths. There was stuff in the Bible and truths in the Bible about how to discipline children with love, how to set boundaries, and the whole entire purpose of those guidelines and boundaries and and advice was because we love our children, and just like God loves us, and he knows what's best for us. And so we began to implement that, and that was not a fun season either, but it worked. It absolutely worked. It absolutely worked. So that was a truth encounter where the lies we have bought, we had bought into around child rearing were displaced with the truths of God. So those are just a couple of the stories about how some of the transformational things that happened to me in my life, in my walk with God. I don't have time to talk to you about the rest of them, but I'm going to highlight a few right now, and I'm not going to give you details. A lot of them came uh, not coincidentally at all, through equipping and stuff and, uh, that we, hit, we, get, we offer here at the fellowship. Uh, I don't know if any of you were here. Remember, we did the Father Heart of God conference with uh, a book written by a guy named Jack Frost. No kidding. That is his name, Jack Frost. He's passed now. But uh, man, that was, a, that was transformational for me to understand the depth of God's love for us, that he's not a harsh father that's waiting to hammer you when you make a mistake. He's not into performance orientation. He loves you no matter what. He's waiting for us to come back to him. I learned a ton about worship from people like Wayne and Kathy and Lori and and, and, and Tiffany Bueller, who runs uh, David's tent. You know, just prior to that, I mean, worship for us was mostly like singing three old hymns before we got to the good stuff. You know, the preaching. We learned that worship really blesses God. The Freedom seminar and the stuff we learned. Around um, you know spiritual warfare, we got equipped with understanding that you know when we re- when we when we experience that opposition, that we have a means to, to deal with it. So grateful to people like Sharon, Saving, and Corky, and Phil, and C Dub, and all those people back in the day who taught us that. We're still teaching that here. Um, for me, understanding my identity in God and my motivational gifts was a huge transformational experience because it made me understand why everybody in the world wasn't as perfect as me that's a joke in case you're wondering wasn't a good one but so also learned a ton about prophecy from stanley from hearing hearing god remember do you remember sharon van Opthorp was doing all this class on hearing god man i learned to hear god even better from that experience transformational stuff the stuff we learned about missions and its importance from kate and jack rudd from the brooks amazing stuff And of course, another transformational thing, for for me anyway, was the financial stuff that we teach here. How to to live in a way that God wants us to live with our money, you know? We're getting a place where we can be super generous. These were all super transformational experiences for me. So can we have that last slide, please? I just want to return to this slide because I think it's so important. The 99 and the 1. You know, God has a heart, big heart, for those of us who are lost. He's waiting. If you're in a place where you're in sin and, you know, it's kind of separated you from God, he's, he's waiting. He's just waiting for you to turn and go in a different direction. If you've already made a decision to follow Christ, but you find, you find you've lost your way a little bit, and haven't we all at one time or another, uh, he's waiting for you. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you. So I'll end by just asking a couple questions and maybe leading it out in some prayer. Are you a little bit lost? Are you maybe looking for acceptance and significance? Do you have that peace and contentment that God desires for you? Are you just flat out looking for something that works? I love what Anthony said, flat out. Jesus is the way, man. So true. If you're in that situation... Let me offer to lead you into a little bit of prayer right now. Simple prayer. The first step in going in a different direction is just to pray, just to turn a different direction start praying. So if you're someone who's never made a decision to follow Christ, I'm just going to pray, pray right now for you, and you can just sort of repeat after me if you will. Maybe you guys could repeat after me if you feel so led. I'm going to just, because I want people, if they're out there, if they're in this building or they're out there listening to this, this is your first step towards making that change, making a step towards that peace, that contentment, towards a way that works. So uh, will you join me in prayer? Lord, I want a new way of living. I want to follow Jesus. I accept Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross as the means to have relationship with you. And I commit my life to you. Amen. Maybe you're, maybe you're, that was easy, wasn't it? That's all it takes. And if you had an experience like I have, where you feel absolutely nothing, hold on, buckle up, something's going to happen. Okay? How about if you're already a believer? You're already walking with the Lord. Let me pray with you as well. Same thing. Can you just repeat after me? I love you, Lord, and I'm a bit lost. I need your help. I accept your invitation to trust you and go in a new direction. Amen.